Hello, and welcome back to Spoiler Alert. I'm your host, Emily Rinshaw, and today we're taking a look at book two of the Kingdom of Ruins series by Audrey Gray, Cursebreaker. Sit back, relax, and let's begin. So before we get into the story of the second book, we're going to do the huge, and we're going to go into a review of what happened in book one. Book one is called Oathtaker. In this book, we have our main girl, Haven Ashwood. She's a mortal and Prince Bellamy, aka Bell's guard. After Bell's rune ceremony, which is a whole big event where he gets given a rune, after that ceremony kind of explodes in everyone's face, Bell gets taken. It's up to Haven Archrod, her kingdom's soulless ambassador, and a couple of soulless friends, if you will, to find Bellamy and save him from the evil kingdom. The journey consists of Haven trying to prove herself worthy of working with this gang of soulless royals, finding pieces of the curse piece to save Prince Bell and to break the curse that haunts the entire kingdom, and trying to figure out how she feels romantically about a certain Sun Lord. The first book ends with Haven being dead to all of her friends, but in reality, she's working with the Shade Lord, Stolas, and learning how to control her magic. When we fully shut the book and end book one, Haven is in the forest fighting a beast for the venom that will save her friend Rook and getting a curse piece to save Belle and break the curse. This leads to the start of book two, Cursebreaker. Book two opens right where book one closes and Haven's in the woods, I don't remember the name of the forest, and she's fighting this thing called a Vorgraph. And something about these creatures is their venom is very toxic to everyone, like, especially to a human, if she were to get bitten by it, which, spoiler alert, she does, she could die, like, completely die. So, she's out in the forest and she's fighting this creature, and if you remember from the last book, there's a curse over the whole entire kingdom and the world. So the curse can only be broken if someone finds certain pieces to it. This book fully follows the Solace and Haven trying to find all the pieces to break this curse. So the first piece of this, which again, all of her friends think she's dead, even Belle, who's been locked up in a palace and hasn't seen her. He kind of had like a nightmare, I guess you would call it, where he saw her die. And so everyone who knows her thinks she's dead. So she's trying to fight this Wargrath and trying to get, I think it was a pear, because that's one of the pieces of the curse price. So another thing is, if you remember from the last book, there was a big battle in this castle that was full of like a dead kingdom. And one of their friends, Rook, ended up getting injured so severely that they thought she was going to die. And something about where Rook comes from in her life, which is really cool I learned about in the second book, is they are, they're Morgani princesses and everyone, or Morgani people, but everyone in there is told how they're going to die so they won't be afraid of death and so that they can fully and mentally prepare themselves of death. So during this time, Rook knew she wasn't going to die, but she couldn't tell the other people that. So that was just a fun little bit of knowledge that we learned in this. But Rook got injured real, real bad to the point where even her mate, Sarai, thought she was going to die. And so the only thing that can cure this thing that attacked her and cure her injury is the Vorgrath Venom. And so Haven's goal, she promised Sarai that she would go and find the Venom. And this is in book one. So book two, Haven has found the Vorgrath and she's fighting it and she's trying to get the Venom. Well, during the fight, things kind of go south. She ends up almost dying. She's basically to the point of death. And this is when we get more interaction with Stolas, which if you remember is the Shade Lord. So Stolas is in her dreams and they kind of end up this happened in the first book, they made a bargain, but in the second book, now that they have this bargain, Stolas is trying to keep Haven awake, 
And something about this, so throughout the book, spoiler alert ahead, throughout this book, well, throughout book one, too, Haven was kind of falling in love with Archeron, who's the Sun Lord from her kingdom, but she interacts more and more with Stolas, so this was a point where I'm like, is there about to be, like, a really weird love triangle? And for book two, I've already started book three, I'm terrible, but for book two, they they are in love, it's just Archeron she falls for, she doesn't really care. Stolas gets on her nerves, although something happens in the book, and I'm like, oh, I had a jaw drop moment at that part. Getting ahead of myself, let's get back to the story. So Stolas is watching her while she's fighting this creature. And if you remember, another thing that happened was at, at the end of book one, there was a girl there, and we didn't know who she was. We found out who she is later in book two, like at the very end of book two. But they bet on Haven and see if she's going to survive. And so flash forward to book two, it's still like very same day, like 10 seconds after book two picks up. So they're out there watching Haven fighting, and she's about to die, and so Stolas said he wouldn't go help her, but because she's the only way that they can break the curse, he ends up going and helping her, and she gets saved by him, brought back to life, and then Archeron finds her and takes her back to the camp, and they try to bring her back to life and make sure she's okay. Again, Stolas healed her, so she's gonna be fine, she's just really cold, and her, like, um, she's just, she died, so she's immortal, so it's weird no, she is a mortal, so it's weird when she dies. It's different, you know? So, she gets taken back, and Sarai is there freaking out, but she, Sarai's also trying to keep an eye on Rook, and Sarai's like, oh my gosh, did you get the venom? Did you actually do it? And Haven pulls out the vial that has the venom, and so Rook is alive. Also, I found out the name of the seer in the group, and his name is Bjorn, which I laughed at. I thought it was quite hilarious, but... They save Rook, and they save Haven, and they continue on their journey. And so, the next part is that the group of Solace and Haven are stuck in this place called the Witch's Woods. And something about these is the woods are very hard to get out of, and they're very tricky because they're full of dark magic, which the Solace have light magic, so it's a whole kind of issue for them to try and figure their way out. So they had been trying to get out for days after everything that went down at the battle on the bridge with the dude who bought Haven in the first book. So they're trying to figure their way out. They were trying to find the Vorgrath because that's where it lived, so now they're trying to get out. And they end up all getting split up, and Haven almost dies yet again because she gets stopped by a wood witch, and it basically, it almost kills her. And so when it's kind of in her murdering her, she ends up doing this thing called soul walking, which can't really be done by mortals, or so it's said, because it's such an extraneous thing to do, and it takes a lot of energy, and mortals just don't have the right amount of energy to do that, and they're not strong enough. So Haven ends up soul walking all the way to where Belle is, and so she finds Belle, and Belle's about to be murdered. And again, this book has perspective changes in different chapters, so part of the story is told from what's happening where Belle is, while the other half, the main part, is told from Haven's point of view. So we learn a lot of information from Belle's part that also connects with Haven's part, and I'm going to do my best to kind of summarize that later in this episode, but we're going to stick with Haven's story right now, and I'll kind of fill in the blanks when I need to. So, Haven ends up soul walking all the way to where Belle is, which ends up almost killing her because she's not strong enough to do that. And Stolas ends up having to take her soul back from where she ended up back to her body because her body thought her soul left and thought that she was dead. So whenever Stolas finds Haven's spirit wandering so far away from her body, he's like, yo, you're dumb for doing this. But whenever I read that, I was kind of like, it's not really her fault. Like, I, don't, I know she doesn't have control of her powers. She doesn't know how to control them, so she's doing her best. So I was kind of like, don't call her dumb because she doesn't know what she's doing 
like be be a little nicer to her so he takes her back to her body her spirit back to her body and she wakes up and she goes and finds the other and others and she's like whoa i got lost yada 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 but another thing that they needed for the curse pieces was i don't remember what it specifically but it was something from a wood witch so she ends up getting the third piece because in the first book she got the first one so in this book she's gotten two more pieces to the curse price so now they have three pieces in total and when she gets back to the group, they're like, how did you do it? And she kind of has to lie her way through it because they don't know she's working with Stolas. And that's a whole different thing that they learn about later. So they get that piece and then they head on to where the next piece is, which is in Fairy Realm. And this is this is genuinely, I think they're like the little fairies. They're not pixies. They're not what Fae is considered in the realm of fantasy books. They're like actual fairies. So they go to the next place and that's where the fairies are. Now, if you remember... Archeron and Haven are kind of starting to fall in love at this point, and there's some over-PG-13 stuff going on. I'm gonna warn y'all now, if you read this book and you're not comfortable with that kind of thing, this is not the book for you, or you can skip the chapters that have the information like that. That'll be okay. So, they go to the next place, which is where the fairies live, and they are light magic, and this is a spot where the Shade Queen allows for light magic to stay and trade for the fairies, bringing her mortals to kind of suck the life out of. So... In order to get what they need from the fairies, which I don't remember the specific item. Oh, no, I do. It's a fairy tier. So they have to lure a fairy in and make it cry so that they can get the next piece of the curse pieces. So Archeron and Haven have to act like they're in love. And then Archeron is going to end up leaving her in a tent on her own. And the fairy's going to come in and kind of try to kill Haven. That happens a lot. They use Haven as bait a lot in this book. And she kind of, she's mixed feelings about it. She's like, I get why we have to do this, but why do I have to be the bait, man? Come on. So that's a whole thing where she's, mm, she's a little flipped out about. So Archeron leaves the tent after they do some stuff and Haven starts to fall asleep. And when she rolls over, boom, fairy. And this is where things start kind of going south there too. So Haven ends up screaming and that draws the attention of Archeron, Sarai, Rook, and Bjorn. And they all come in and start fighting her. And I think Archeron threw a knife and pinned the fairy's wings to the wall with it. So then Archeron tells a story about everything that's gone on in his life the why he was kicked out of his kingdom because he was a bastard child to the queen with some unknown father so he's he was known but he was still not high enough in rank so that's why he has to work for bell's father so there's a whole story about that and so after he tells that story the fairy ends up crying and they get the tear and they're going to leave and when they leave, it turns out that the Shade Queen knew they were there and they sicked a, or she sicked a bunch of Shadelings and bad creatures on the camp and killed the entire village of fairies. And something to note about this, because Haven and the Solace group have to go to so many different places in order to get the different materials they need, Haven's been making promises on behalf of Belle because Belle's going to be the next king. And so that kind of comes into effect later in the story. But... Haven promised that the fairies would be released from where they are. The reason they were locked up away from the mortal world, even though they were light magic, is because they are chaotic little creatures that wrecked havoc on all the mortals, and they were tired of it, so they shoved them into the dark lands with the shade people. So that was a whole thing, and part of the reason that the fairy was so eager to attack Haven and why Haven was used as bait, that's often why she's used for bait, is because she's mortal. So 
the Shade Queen sent a bunch of creatures to go and kill the fairies, and they're trying to run away, and then Haven collapses because she got bit by the fairy. And something about the fairy is they're also venomous, and they are very harmful to humans, and that's, again, why they were locked up. Now they have to figure out how to fix Haven, and a whole big ordeal erupts from that. And this is whenever Archeron starts to realize he is fully in love with this girl. So we have new romance budding, and it was kind of evident whenever... They were flirting and all of that before getting to the fairy place and doing all the stuff they did there. So now Rook, Sarai, and Bjorn are all very much teasing at Archeron about this because he never showed feelings before Haven after a whole big thing happened. And something I forgot that's actually a very big plot point to the story and I can't believe I forgot it. I do this a lot now. So Bjorn is a seer and he can see different things that are going to happen in the future and two things throughout the story happened where he predicts the future and I'm going to just get them out now so in case I forget about them later they've already been said. The first thing that Bjorn sees before the fairies attack Haven is that Haven's going to die and so this is where she starts flipping out and Archeron is starting to be more in love with him as all I'm, or in love with Haven is all I'm going to say for that part and then the next part they learn from the seer is that someone's going to betray them, someone's going to die, and they, I think he says they will break the curse. I cannot remember for the life of me what the third one is. So they get this knowledge. That happens later in the book, though, but what they learn right now is that Haven's gonna die, and that's why Archeron is being so much more endearing and loving towards Haven. Now back to where we were. The next place they have to go is to find the basilisk, and I think what they need from him, it's either a scale or a chunk of something. I don't fully remember. But they now have to head to another area, which is, it's in water, and we meet another creature later that they also, I'm just going to tell both stories right now. So, they have to fight a basilisk and get material from it for the curse piece, and whenever they're battling, Haven tells him what's going on, why they need it, and promises him all freedom to after, because he also has light magic, so he was trapped because he was another menace to the mortals, and so Haven promises that he would be freed after this if she broke the curse, that she would free them because Belle is going to be king and all of that. So, where the basilisk lives is in the water, and in the water, it's all controlled by these things called selkies, which are a type of mermaid, I think. So, the next piece they have to get after going to the basilisk is a selkie scale. And the way they're going to do this is there's a point in day... Oh, I remember why they went to the basilisk. I'm a liar. Sorry. Okay. So, they go to the basilisk because the fairy tells them to. And the basilisk is the one who gives them information of the best time of day to get the scale from the selkie and how to distract them. So after getting that information, they head on to where the selkies are. And this is where they have to come up. They came up with a plan on the way. So Archeron's going to distract them by being beautiful because something about the Sun Lord is he's very arrogant, but he's very pretty. That's very often said throughout the book. So he's going to distract them. And because Haven has both light and dark magic, she's going to be able to hide the magic she's using. And they're going to put a water breathing mark on her. And she ends up swimming under the water while Archeron is distracting the Selkies and she gets a scale. So she's swimming under the water, and Archeron's distracting them, and it gets, to, it gets to a point where it's been too long. And so before she went in the water, because Archeron's become fully overprotective of her, he gives her a stick and tells her to release this if she gets stuck so he can go down and save her, because he is so protective of her at this point. So 
she's under the water swimming and she gets to the selkie and she grabs a scale but it comes to the point where they're not distracted by archeron anymore and they end up finding her seeing her and yanking her down under the water and she's dying and you would think oh she's gonna release this branch that archeron gave her so that she can save herself wrong so wrong homegirl has magic and she doesn't fully know how to control it and sometimes she's learning how to use it in her dreams but Stullis hasn't been coming a lot recently so she has a whole thing in her mind where she has to learn how to use this magic so she doesn't release the branch and she tries to channel all her magic to save herself and when it doesn't happen Archeron goes into the water and saves her and he's like yelling at her like why wouldn't you tell me what is wrong with you he's so mad and she's like I wanted to prove that I could use the magic I wanted to see if it would actually work and it didn't, and she's very mad at herself, and she kind of hates herself, and Archeron's just angry that she won't accept help from him, and won't accept help from anyone else, and this is when she brings up something that mortals aren't allowed to have because it's illegal, and all kingdoms in the world can hunt her and kill her for it, and she wants rune marks like the Solus have, which is kind of how they manage their power and keep it from being really crazy but if a mortal gets it they get murdered because it's illegal so archeron refuses everyone refuses because it would be treason to all their kingdoms and it would just be really bad but that's all she wants is to have rune marks so she can control her magic and be able to save herself in these situations because she's tired of having other people save her so after this argument they kind of they're okay for a little bit because haven's like fine i will stop asking we'll leave it and archeron's like good and then they go and it's on to the next curse piece that they have to find so the next curse piece they have to get actually feels impossible to them because they have to get it off the dark queen's head it's part of her horn I think is what it is and they have to get a piece of it in order for the curse pieces to all be together and for them to break a curse and there's another part but we get to that in a minute so they're trying to make a plan and that's why Haven is trying to get them to let her have rune marks because that way she has the power to go and fight them well that doesn't happen quite yet so they end up going and they make camp and they try to make a plan for how they're going to get into the kingdom I think the place is called the castle is called Spirefell so they're trying to figure out how they're going to do that. And they end up going to bed. More not PG-13 stuff happens between Archeron and Haven. And so that all goes down. And the next day they wake up and something... Actually, I think they end up getting waking up in the middle of the night and something terrible happens. And if you remember the thing I said about the Morgani princess earlier, this is coming into play now. So they're getting ready to go or they're being woken up one of those two they're getting ready to leave the camp or they're getting waken up and this is when they get attacked by a bunch of shadelings sent by the queen and the first thing that happens when these creatures get here is they drop pieces of the basilisk which is something that pushes a lot of fear into haven because she's like that thing just died because it talked to me and this only fuels more rage towards the shade queen in haven's heart and makes her even more angry so they end up all fighting and they're duking it out with these shade things and there's so many of them and they're working together working so hard fighting and they're losing real bad and this is when haven realizes if she can channel enough magic she can knock down some snow that's around them and completely drown out all the creatures so everyone she kind of projects that through her mind and everyone hears it so they all agree that that's what's going to happen. So Haven pops up his shield and pushes a couple of the Solus. I think it ends up being Bjorn, Sarai, and Archeron who get pushed down a mountain into the water below. 
and she has the shield over her and she's trying to get Rook's attention and this is when the tragedy happens. They're not going to be able to escape if one of them doesn't sacrifice themselves. And the night before this happened, Rook put on this ring that allowed her to stay in her human form. Because I don't know if I went over this in the last episode. But Rook and Sarai are cursed because of a big thing that happened in the kingdom. Basically, Rook left what was supposed to be her marriage for Sarai because she was in love. And that's basically her mate. So they were cursed that they would only be able to spend one hour in their human forms together and the other hours would be spent one of them as a cat that's the princess and the other one as a crow that's Sarai and they would they wouldn't be creatures at the same time so while Rook was a cat Sarai was human while Sarai was a crow Rook was human and it was very hard on them but Rook had this ring that she put on the night before and it it allowed her to be a human for long enough to spend all of her remaining free time with Sarai and so Rook ends up dying and Haven is heartbroken as she throws or Rook is like put the avalanche make the avalanche happen now and Haven does it because she knows it's what has to happen and so it happens and Haven falls down the cliff to where the others are and she she's in shock and so everyone's in shock after she tells them what happens they go they find her body they clean her up and Sarai holds it together and then breaks down so hard and screams and they kind of let her mourn for a minute and then they realize they have to go so they can finish everything that's going on and this is when they decide or when Haven is straight up like I need those rune marks in order to fight this queen and kill her and to get rid of her because she's stolen my friend she's killed all these people and I need to seek revenge basically for everything that's been done against her so she convinces Bjorn and Sarai to do it and Bjorn being the one who kind of has all the knowledge in this realm is like I need all of our work because they all have light magic and the only way they can do it is with light magic so he needed all three of the remaining solace in order to do it. But Archeron was so against it because he didn't want her to die. He didn't want her to turn evil. He didn't want her to get killed by the people around her. And he's like, I won't do it. Well, he ends up coming back and doing it. And they do it and it works. And important note for later, Bjorn puts a thing around her neck and that it's like an amulet. It's red. And it puts he puts it around her neck and she wears it for the rest of the story. And she almost died. Like, her heart fully stopped during this process. And that's why Archeron was mad. He didn't want to have to go through that. He didn't want to lose his lover, if you will. So, after that happens, it's time for the end battle of the book. They make it to the castle. Actually, that's a lie. So, before Rook died, they had to get in contact with some people at the Spirefell Castle, and we are going to jump to Bell's perspective, and I'm not going to go through everything, because honestly, a lot of his chapters were just trying to fluff up his character and get us to know his character better. I'm just going to talk about the things that are important to our story. So, Bell has been captured, and this happened in book one, and he's in this castle with a creature. We learned this creature, I don't remember his name, and I don't think I would be able to pronounce it either. We're going to call him R. The creature's name is R, but we call him the creature because half of his face is lizard lizardy. He's kind of a lizard on half his side and human on the other. And it's his left side that he's lizardy because he used to be left-handed, but his hand's too big and he can't use it anymore. So he had to turn right-handed. So Belle is in the castle with this creature. 
And I'm going to go ahead and say this. They're kind of falling in love. And the creature used to be a prince. He's actually the prince that started the curse, if I'm correct. So R is known as the fallen prince. He's the one who killed the Shade Queen's daughter, Ravina. And that's actually why the curse is in place. So in Belle's story, we basically just learn a bunch of filler information that's relating to the things going on in Haven's life. And so R is the fallen prince, and R has been keeping Belle from Ravina because Ravina will wake up and eat him basically on the night of the full moon, which is like a day from then, or like the next day, I think. So R is, R is the cursed prince. He's the fallen prince. He's the reason the curse is everywhere. And part of his punishment throughout this, other than him being half-creature, is that he has to host all of the mortals that are brought in with the light magic before Ravina gets to take away their life. And he becomes friendly with them and builds relationships just for it to be ripped away and ended because of something he did in the past. So Belle finds this out. And this leads into how Haven and the Solus are able to get into Spirefell because Stolus knows these people and Stolus breaks in, not breaks in, but shows up into the castle where Belle and R are and tells them, hey, we need to unlock this door so that these people can get in and save you. And so they try to do that. Well, it kind of fails because earlier in one of Belle's earlier chapters, he was attacked by this creature. I don't remember his name either. See, Belle's chapters were kind of rememberable whenever they were about the story but if it didn't have anything to do with Haven's story I don't remember it so there's this creature that attacks them earlier in the book and it's there at the bottom of the staircase where they're trying to open the door so the Solus and Haven can get in and the creature's there and he's like you thought you could escape ha 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 and they take Belle and R to where the Queen and Ravina are because it's about to be time for the hurt for Belle to get sacrificed so now that we have that information, we're jumping back to Haven's story. Haven and the Solus crew are now at the castle, and they're about to be in there. Haven has power now, and she's able to fight, and she's getting stronger, and they're going into this kingdom, and they're starting to duke it out with all the people in there. So, they're making their way to the castle, and they're fighting. And now that Haven has the rune marks all over her body, which I know I talked about runestones in the last episode. Runestones are the equivalent, lesser equivalent, of the rune marks that the soulless have on their body. And that the runestones are just how mortals can channel little magic, as opposed to how these soulless can channel their full magic with the rune marks on their body. So that's just a little history on that. So they've made it to the castle now, and they're going in to fight. And they get in there, and Haven is using her power because she feels stronger, and she's killing all these creatures. She'll let Sarai and Archeron get a few every now and then. Even the seer jumps in to start fighting them. But they're killing their way to the place where Ravina is and the queen is. And so they get in there, and it's a fight. But the queen, the shade queen, is standing there, and she's not shocked at all. There's no reaction. She's just chilling. Bell's over trapped by a dude and Ravina's like kind of I don't think she's alive yet so the Bell is just kind of trapped by a dude and the queen is standing there watching them amused and this is when the betrayal happens if you remember what I said about Bjorn the seer's vision he saw so are y'all ready for this this is another jaw-dropping moment Bjorn is the one who betrays them so, another part of Belle's story. At one point, he was in this garden place with R, and R quickly shoves him into a place and hides him, and a story plays out. 
and it's a little girl and two little boys. I guess not little. I think they were probably about teenager age, I think. I'm not fully sure. They didn't really go into the detail of that. But they're out there playing, and it turns out that it was the story of the fallen prince and how Ravina happens, and this is where Belle finds out that R is the fallen prince. And Bjorn is the other little boy. And so... This was so... I I couldn't even tell y'all how I reacted to this. I genuinely don't remember anything except feeling fully shocked at this moment. But the queen is like, Bjorn, bring me what's mine. And everyone whips their head to him like, What? You're the, you're the one? And he takes the red amulet that had been on Haven's neck because the reason he gave that to her is that's how he stole Haven's magic. So during the battle, Haven felt her powers kind of slipping from her fingers, and she didn't know what was going on, but she had to deal with it, and so they get up there and they figure that out. Bjorn was stealing her magic for the queen. Well, I got ready for this. Haven ends up dying because the Vorgrath's mate comes back in. I don't know if I went into detail about this, but when you kill the Vorgrath, there's a mate, and they're so fully connected... That if one of them dies, the other's gonna go and kill the person who killed them. Like, there, that's honestly relationship goals. Don't touch my mat. Just kidding. That was really funny. Sorry. So, this Vorgrath mate comes in and he gets on top of Haven and she fully accepts it. She's like, I'm gonna die anyway, so this thing may as well just kill me. So, it, it does. She basically dies. Well, little do we know. Another jaw drop moment. This, the end of this book fully had me like mouth open like, what the crap? Why are there so many plot twists going on? The only way for the curse to be enacted is if someone's true love also dies. And you're like, well, they had to get a piece of the queen's horn. How did they do that? Stolas. Stolas, our homie from the shade court. He's like, I got you, fam. Gets it and gives it to... I think it was either Archeron or Shirai, I don't remember, but he ends up giving a piece of the queen's horn to one of the solace, and they're able to save Haven and break the curse because Archeron's fully in love with her and she's fully in love with him. So she gets brought back to life by the curse being broken and Archeron being able to make the one wish that was acceptable, even though he was going to use it originally to free himself from the king's servitude but he was so in love with haven that he wanted to save her and so she gets brought back to life and the curse is broken hooray and now everyone's safe so haven being excited not only to be back alive but knowing that the curse is broken now she turns to Belle to be like i found you i saved you because again Belle is her best friend Belle saved her from being a servant and being a slave and so she and Belle are the best of friends. That's that's why she was able to get all of the pieces and tell these people and creatures why they need to help her so she can free them because her and Belle are just that close. So that's great. So she turns and looks at Belle. And this is when we kind of see some more love and going on. So Prince Belle is leaning over the body of R, who is no longer half creature. He is back to being a prince. And they had kissed at one point, and they are in love. Or, Belle kind of fell in love with him during the time, after getting past the creature. Which, this is where I was like, this is again pulling from A Court of Thorns and Roses. Because if you didn't know about that series, it's based on Beauty and the Beast. But this fully pulled on that, where this this dude was a beast, and the prince was like, oh, I don't know about you. But then he saw a deeper side and fell in love. So, the beast becomes normal again, but he dies because he had been alive for so long. So, he's no longer alive. 
alive, and Belle's holding on to him as he turns into ash and gets blown away. After that happens, Belle and Haven hug, and they reunite, and they're so happy. Artron's like, yeah, you're alive, and it's the time to journey back home to the kingdom where they're all from. And so, before Haven died, or while Haven was dead, she's in the little dream space with Stolas, and Stolas is going to bring her back, but they make a deal, and if you remember the girl from the end of book one and kind of beginning of book two, it's Stolas's little sister, and Stolas had to keep her hidden because in, like, the Noctis theology and all of that, the... She would have basically the sister would have been the next queen. She was the rightful queen to the Shade Kingdom, but Stolas didn't want her to die, so he hid her forever. And that's the girl who was who the hairbrush belonged to in the first book. So Haven is now tasked with taking care of this girl. So on their way home, they go by where they left Rook's body and they send her off and they give her a proper burial and they take her back home because if they bar- if she got buried in the kingdom of shade her soul would have belonged to Stolas which wouldn't have been good for her so they pick up her body and take her and they go into the netherworld and that's where they pick up Stolas's little sister and she's this crazy girl who's never been around humans before but is so hungry for m- mortals basically it's very it's a very bad story for poor Haven and Belle to have to take care of her next in the next book and so they take her home and then they get home and the book ends. And so now it is time for my review of the book. And I love this book. This this book was fun. And unlike the last book, which took like, for me, it took half the book in the first one to actually be intrigued by the story. This one moved very slowly for like the first two chapters, but it was still very action packed. So I was kind of drawn in. And then after that, I was sold. I was like, I want to read this book. I want to keep going. And I was fully engaged throughout this entire story to the point where I genuinely had the most difficult time trying to put this book down and focus on other schoolwork. Overall, I personally being a hopeless romantic, I loved that we got to see some more romance between Archeron and Haven. I loved the build up to it, and I love that I'm going to spoil the next book a little bit. I love that there is, even though I haven't finished it yet, obviously, I love that there is the chance that there's probably more romance and a new love triangle coming forward between Haven and Archeron and Haven and Stolas. And that's the whole thing I'm excited to explore in the next book. But I love that we got more romance. And I love that they were finally able to save Belle from the uh, Shade Queen. Because that just kind of ended that story. And also, I will say, I feel like this could have been a really good ending of the book. And I like that it also, it still expands. Because we we would have had some unanswered questions. But I feel like this book also could have been a closing of the series. That left people coming up with their own ideas of what happened next. I, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would rate this book a solid 9, solely because I know we have another book to read, and if this book was good, this book had, I think, just under 400 pages, the next book has over 600 pages. I have a lot of hope for this book, which is why I'm only rating book 2 a a 9, because I have such a high hope for book 3 to be so good, and watch me come back next week like, "Eh, it was fine, it was like a toop, no, I'm joking, but I'm really excited for the next book. With all that being said, I would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Spoiler Alert. I'm your host, Emily Rinshaw, and be sure to come back next week for the final episode of the Kingdom of Runes series by Audrey Gray. Goodbye!